This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to your latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast. I'm your host, Notty and Doyle. He's actually away today. He'll be covering the uh, Liverpool versus Manchester City game tomorrow. So you have me, Christian Walsh, uh, and a little bit of rotation there in, in the hot seat. And also alongside me, we have uh, Paul Ghost. How are you? I'm all right, Christian, yeah. And uh, Dan Kay. Good afternoon. How are we all? Yeah, not too bad. So it's a little bit like King Solanke and, uh, and Mane up front. Uh, I'm not going to say which one's which. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take all of them as a badge of honour, to be honest. This, this is the first part that me and Dan have been on together. Can you play together? This is the thing. No, we'll find out. The shot that was heard across the world. One of the big things, of course, from the Merseyside derby that we've just had against the, against Everton on Saturday was Ings and Solanke, segued in very nicely there. Could they play together? Well, the fact that Liverpool didn't manage to score a goal or, or threaten too much would, would suggest not. But, you know, in general, what, what was your take on the game, Paul? And, you know, was it the best result possible without taking the three points? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think... I was, saying, I was saying on Friday, I think it was, Klopp kind of approaches the Mayside derby differently to fans. Obviously, fans want the full-strength team and they want to go there and they, they want to pass them and get the three points. Klopp kind of sees if it a little bit differently and he kind of sees Everton as, you know, a, a mid-table side and, you know, he can afford to make the changes. Liverpool have played them three times this season, not once if they, they had the full-strength team out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, one of them was an FA Cup game. Um, but uh, I, I think it, it was a decent point. You know, Liverpool didn't need the, the victory. Um it's it's kind of just strengthening that uh, that place in the top four, hasn't it? And I think Liverpool will go on to, to secure that now, no danger there. But uh, as far as as the result goes, I thought I thought it was fair. Everton had a, a couple of chances at the end, didn't he? But um, I, th- I think Liverpool would have taken that all day, really, considering they made five changes and, and it was a you know strike force who, who hadn't scored a, a, a well, Danny Ings hadn't scored for two and a half years, and Solanke's still waiting for his first senior goal. So yeah, as I say, yeah, a decent point, really. Is the best result and no injuries, especially in an amazing side derby against the Sam Allardyce side. I know they were surprisingly passive, I thought, Everton, but is that is that the big result? Very much so. I, I think, um, I mean, obviously, we, we the fact that it was it's seven and a half years since Everton have won a derby meant that I certainly, as opposed to some of the players who, who, from the sounds of it, would have been quite happy almost to throw the game. As 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 well as the kind of the, the issue of momentum going into obviously tomorrow's second leg at City. I you know, I felt it was important Liverpool took the game seriously enough to kind of keep them ticking over, to keep the momentum and the kind of feel-good factor surrounding the club ticking over. But obviously the the the, the huge priority in everyone's minds is the second leg at City. And it was it's I mean Derby's are awkward enough at the best of times, but particularly like you say, against not just an Everton, a, a Sam Allardyce Everton. Um it's always one of those kind of things, isn't it? When if it you're more likely to get injured, I always think, if you if you try not to get injured. If you go into a tackle half throttle, that's when sometimes you can get yourself into difficulty. And even if it wasn't the most blood and thunder high octane derby match that we've ever witnessed, it there was still like forty thousand people in there, a lot of them scousers screaming blue or red murder at each other and wanting people to get stuck in. So I think under the circumstances the Reds handled the game really as kind of sensibly and maturely. That was the way Klopp used afterwards. Most mature, yeah. most mature reign of his uh, is Sorry, most mature, mature performance of his reign, he said, and you know, he's been here two and a half years, hasn't he? So that speaks volumes about how Liverpool approached the game. Definitely. And, you know, I, I think you, know, you tacked that onto the second half 
of Wednesday, the first leg against City, when you know the discipline and the organisation that they showed, which maybe isn't something that that comes so naturally to, to this group of players, but it's clearly something that they've been working on in training, managing games properly, and they they handled that to a T. Second half on Wednesday, and I think for the large, you know, the vast majority of Saturday's game at Goodison. In the same in the same vein, yeah, they, they, Everton kind of came on strong a little bit towards the last ten fifteen minutes. The Reds probably had a bit of an eye on the clock and were just trying to kind of see it through. But they were we were never really in any real danger, and it was uh, you know an awkward little hur- hurdle successfully negotiated. I mean, I suppose there's no such thing as good and bad in a nil nil draw. So you know it was all very much indifferent. But if we are going to look at good and bad. I suppose we'll start with the good and uh, Genie Wijnaldum. He obviously tried out in that number six role. I saw him. Uh, at Wigan in pre-season in the summer and he played there and it was clear a couple of games in Hong Kong as well that Klopp was obviously Lucas Leiva left Lazio you have Jordan Henderson and Ray Chan and I think it was clear at that point that he was sort of getting ready to be the third choice number six if you will that deepest lying midfielder he hasn't needed to to, to be utilised in that role this season until the Merseyside derby and the second leg against Manchester City a season defining week mm. How did you think he did? Well, it was funny, wasn't it? Uh, I watched the match with you here Saturday, and after about 10 minutes, me and you were like, oh, I'm not sure about this experiment. Why not them at the base of the midfield? And then he just spent the rest of the game making us look foolish, didn't he? Mm. I thought, thought he was imperious at times. There was one or two occasions where he kind of dribbled forward, and, and that's like uh, his, his normal game, if you like, in, in the, the number eight role uh, as he, he likes to play. But um, I think once he kind of got, got used to the surroundings and, and you know got settled into the game, I thought he was great. Um, man of the match performance from a Liverpool point of view. Um, I think it kind of bodes well as well for Tuesday. Um, you know, Kevin De Bruyne and, and David Silva are going to be the, the guys who are going to have plenty of the ball on Tuesday. And Liverpool will need his energy to get about the pitch in, into the areas where City will want to hurt Liverpool. I, th- I think it will be crucial to a positive result. Is there a slight concern in a similar way to how Man City were caught cold playing against Everton last week? You could hypothesise that at least in terms of they 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 played the Sam Allardyce side, which which didn't get in the faces and and there was no tempo, no aggression. It, although Wijnaldum looked good against Everton, is there a possibility? You know, they were playing in midfield there of Schneider and Rooney, where I haven't seen such, uh, you know, such a, a reluctance to presence. I think my mum told me to do my own iron when I was in school. <laughs> you know, it, it just absolutely didn't. You know, there was no no pressing there from those two. Is is there a potential? I'm sure Jurgen Klopp will be will be working with him hard at Melbourne. But is there a chance then that it almost lulls him and the people who are saying he's definitely ready for this role into a false sense of security when it's a different type of game on Tuesday? Well, I was just going to say that you know as as well as he did and as as accomplished as he looked in that role, and you know he does have a real kind of smoothness to him. Why now? The the number of times he kind of like turned and moved away from people in one movement, and he does have that you know that that. Very kind of, um, very ad- adaptable nature of, his, of the physicality of how we can get about the pitch. It's a it's a completely it's apples and oranges compared to what he's going to be faced with on uh, t- tomorrow night in Manchester City. Where they are, in spite of the obviously the difficult week that they've had, they are still one of the most awesome attacking forces in Europe, and it will be it will be several levels up. In terms of the pressure and the intensity and, and the the task ahead of him. That being said, you know, our, our colleague Joe took me to, somewhat to task last week for comparing him as I did in his initial stages of a Liverpool career with 
with with Graham Souness, which you know. <laughs> Be on your gravestone, that's them. Well, it, it might be me every time if I'm, if, if I'm not careful. But no, the, the point I was wanting to make was that is that at his best, and, and I think certainly in his best games, particularly at home last season, he really kind of exuded that kind of authority and ability to get up and down the pitch and back up his teammates and do the kind of manager on the pitch role that um, that, that you need in, in, in this day and age. Now, his, his, the, the requirements of that role tomorrow are going to be severely greater than, 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 um, than what they were at the weekends and you know all these good signs that I thought I saw from him last season all kind of came largely in home matches tomorrow you know tomorrow really will be the litmus test for his ability to cope with that role because it's not just against far greater opposition it's away from home but I think he's probably aware himself when Alden that you know he's kind of plateaued a little bit second season and you would hope that having hopefully come through the other side of this nasty bug he's had over the last couple of months that's restricted his game time and weakened him quite severely um, hopefully he's, he, he knows that this is a huge opportunity really to kind of put a marker down and, and say to the manager for next season and season beyond well this is another string to my bow and you need to kind of count me into your plans for your midfield when Alan will definitely start I think there's absolutely no doubt about that of course two players who I really can't see starting unless and we'll move on to this a little bit later Klopp throws a curveball at the Etihad at uh, Ragnar Klavan and Nathaniel Klein who knew Ragnar Klavan was as good as Roberto Carlos is my first <laughs> question um, but in all seriousness you know two different players in terms of one obviously isn't a left back whatsoever I think that was his first game I saw on, on Twitter I've managed to verify it, but somebody said it was his first game since 2012 at left back. Wow. Clavan, uh, obviously, Klein is a natural fullback, but hasn't played since May. Uh, I mean, it, admirable the the way both of them coped with yeah. it. Well, I suppose that the one that you know, fair play to fair play to Clavan, you know, stuck to his task, did really well. But at the same time, Klein's the one long term going forwards. Liverpool got a right back for the rest of the season there, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, well. The, the, the the really encouraging thing from my point of, from my perspective and, and, and I was at the game in the, in the away end on Saturday was how lively Klein looked I mean obviously Klopp wouldn't have thrown him into a derby if he didn't feel he was physically up to it and he obviously would have been back in training for a good few weeks and and probably had a, I think, did he have a couple of under 23 games yeah, he's, yeah yeah but really he looked like he'd never been away um, he was getting you know, particularly second half he was getting forward overlapping down the right hand side getting decent crossing positions I mean the the what you know if, the one kind of drawback I've always had against him as a player is that his final ball when he gets into those crossing positions isn't always what it might be but I think if you take into account the, the bigger picture the the knowledge obviously that this huge Champions League tie is only just ahead of us a derby in itself I thought I thought he came in and hardly missed the step and and has almost given Klopp a little bit of a, a decision to make for tomorrow you know. Magnificent, no trends here, and now you know not far behind Andy Kelly in the in the Alexander <laughs> Arnold adoration stakes. Get in line. Um, you know the, the fact of the matter is Liverpool have a three goal lead. A hundred percent fit Nathaniel Klein probably does give you more defensive solidity than Trent. It's a huge ask, and to be honest, with you, I wouldn't really envy Klopp, Klopp and having to make that decision because it's it's bought, it's not far off fifty fifty. The thing about Klein, just saying, is you know if you could handpick one game, you wouldn't wouldn't want him coming back after. Well, was it eleven months out? It mm. would be good as in good as far, wouldn't it? Um, but I thought he, he handled it as Dan says, like he, he's never been away. He's motoring down the right side as he usually does, and um, I think I think he kind of has give Klopp a little bit of a headache. Uh, I still still expect Trent to start, 
because uh, I thought he, he had his, his best game of the Liverpool shirt last week. He, he was unbelievable for, for a player of 19, playing against one of the best teams in Europe, if not the best. And he's turned in a performance like that against one of the best uh, wingers in Europe. Um, but Nathaniel Klein, I think long term, you know, he's the man to take that back next season. He's, uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a shame for him because up until this season, I think he'd clocked up nearly 100 appearances in, in just, just what is it, two full seasons. Um, so he, he literally was Liverpool's man up, and man up until this season, which is, uh, has been a shame for him. But I think next season, I think he'll just slot back into there like, like he's never been away. What for Trent then? Because you know, it, it, you, I think Liverpool have almost got used to having Trent versus Go uh, Joe mm. Gomez at mm. right back. Klein's been a non-factor. I mean, we we, we anticipate and Klopp's meant, made reference to the fact that Gomez will probably go centre back next season, one of the centre back options. But I mean, do you stifle Trent's? Developments, the bringing Klein, it's it's, it's yeah. you know Trent needs games, doesn't he? Mm. I suppose he's only nineteen, isn't he? He's, mm. he's got plenty of time on the side to um, basically enjoy a lengthy career at Liverpool, and I think he will go on to play two, three hundred games for Liverpool. I think he, he is that good. Um, is he a right back? Because I was well, having a discussion with him over the weekend. Mason Mount convinced his future lies in midfield. Well, he, that, that's where he played for the under twenty threes, wasn't it? Well, under eighteen's mainly under yeah. under the Pep Linders. Obviously, he's over in Holland now. But yeah, that was. He was the number six, and yeah, I think uh, yeah. me, me and you moved to the idea on the Neil Fitzmaurice's uh, Poetry in Motion podcast, which is available in the archives. Uh, you know the idea that you can you, you can possibly see Trent as a number six. You know if yeah. if, if, if Liverpool were absolutely desperate, if, if Wijnaldum was, was to pick up an injury <laughs> against against Man City, you know it's it's it's, it's not out the realms of possibility. Mm-hmm. He's probably next in line now. Yeah. Um, so go on. No, I was just going to say you know he's, he's got plenty of time on the side, hasn't he? To, uh, Carl has a career in that position. Um, I think in terms of his development, he, he's perfectly placed at the moment. Feel, almost feels a waste, doesn't it? In terms of, I don't know, that's unfair. But if you, you know, right back, Steven Gerrard was probably the best right back England had in, in, in a decade. But, <laughs> yeah. but you just couldn't play him at right back, and you just wonder if Trent will force the manager's hand at some points and and, and make him move him into midfield because he he can be that good. Looking at a little bit of the not negatives necessarily, but certainly something that the fans have been talking about was uh, Ings and Solanke. Yeah. Now Danny Ings, it was his first start since the game of Goodison in October 2015. It was his first start ever under Jurgen Klopp, which is remarkable. You know, it, 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 Britain was still in the EU, sadly. When uh, well, no, not sadly, happily, but sadly, they're not anymore. Before anyone blames me for that. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah, a, a, lot, a lot has happened uh, in between now and October 2015. Rogers' last game, wasn't it? Rogers' last yeah, game, yeah. of course. Um, and then you've got Dominic Solanke, hasn't, hasn't scored a goal for Liverpool yet, uh, although he was unfortunate, possibly against West Brom in December. How did you think they did? And, you know, first to you, Paul, I mean, does this sort of show that when you take away Liverpool's front three, that there's not enough in reserve? Yeah, um, I've said it a few times on this podcast. Actually, once um, once you change those from three, the drop off in quality is so stark it, it's it's untrue. Um, Dominic Slanky is a young player, and again, he's another one who's got time on the side. But but I just wonder whether he, he's off the required standard. To be honest, um, he's never never really convinced me. I've looked at him and thought, yeah, I, I can see what he's about. Um, I think a loan move might, might do him good uh, mm. next season. To be honest, I could see him kind of. Scoring a couple of goals for a team like Newcastle, who kind of worship their, their big strikers, don't they? And that could completely t- turn them around. But uh, for Liverpool, I'm, I'm not sure. I still think it was a head scratches and then the Divock Origi out on loan. Yeah. I think Liverpool need kind of like a a, a plan B of a decent standard. Um, and I think Origi suits that perfectly. I don't think he's ever going to threaten Roberto Firmino as Liverpool's first choice. But I think if he's not playing, 
I, th- I think Origi would be the one who'd come in and, and still offers a goal threat. Um, you know, he has scored goals before in the Premier League, uh, whereas Sri Lanka hasn't. And Ings just had a terrible time of injuries, hasn't he? For the last two and a half years. Looked rusty, didn't he? That yeah, was the way that used. And, and kind of quite unsure of himself. I mean, the, the number of times I was looking at him during the game, thinking, just get your head up a little bit. Seems to play with his head down and an awful lot now. As you know, and he's been largely free of injury all season, hasn't he? Yeah. So, he's, so we'll have played plenty of games for the under twenty threes and have scored a few there. Um, I thought of the two of them, Solanke maybe just about edged it. Um, I thought he, you know, he, he was a willing runner at least and put himself about. I mean, he had that chance first half, didn't he? When um, should do better. Yeah, he kind of put it pretty much in the only place the goalkeeper could have got to it. If that if that was if that was Salah, but you've seen Salah. We've spoken about it on the podcast before about. That, that one touch he takes and, and gives himself almost five, six seconds yeah. of time. That's what Solanke needs of there. I mean, I think part of what Salah does there is just his innate genius mm. as, a, as, a, as a brilliant yeah. world-class footballer. Not every footballer has but, it. But, but also, also part of that as well is obviously the rich vein of form and confidence that he's in having scored, what, 38 goals this season. I, I, at the time, I do remember thinking, and you know, no, no one in their right mind would seek to, to put them on the same kind of level, uh, Solanke and, and Salah whatsoever, but... A Solanke that's got a couple of goals under his belt maybe doesn't snatch at that, maybe just takes a touch and puts it in the corner. The problem that we've had is that because the front three, not just have been so good, but until this, until the last week or so largely, have been pretty much injury-free and have been able to play the whole season, that obviously has not helped Ings and Solanke, Ings and Solanke get any kind of game time and get those kind of senior goals under their belt. So under the circumstances, they did, they did the job that was required of them. Um, but I think yeah, the the bottom. I think we've all had this fear throughout the season, really, that we've got we've got a front three that's that, that's uh, that could rival any in Europe, probably the world. But if one of them was to pick up any kind of long term injury, you're then relying on one of these two lads that don't have a senior goal behind them in a long time. I, mean, I think the other thing perhaps is, I mean, number one, Danny Ings isn't necessarily a winger, and he was stationed out there yeah. quite a bit. Uh, and, and you know, number two. It's hard not to have a drop off, and and it's hard to find players. I think who can come in and do the job that Firmino does, Salah does, Mane does, who is both good enough to fill that gap, but is also happy to be sitting on a bench because if they're exactly. that good and if they can bridge that gap, then they don't want to be spending their, yeah, their the, time on Liverpool's bench. Catch twenty two, isn't it? Um, no, J- James Beard reported a couple of weeks back that the team, team over there to move it as a non-starter, and Brian Brewster is going to be brought forward. So. I think it's going to be something of a bit of bit of a renovation up front for Liverpool next season. Obviously, for me, now still going to be there. But then you've got Brewster who's getting fast tracked. Um, as we understand, there's going to be no move for another striker. So what happens with Daniel Sturridge? What happens with Origi, Solanke, mm. and Ings? So you know, it could be all change up top, really. I think I think that the way I see it panning out in terms of if if, if I was you know in charge and thank God I'm not. Uh, you know, you're looking like maybe a Zaha or a Willian. Just, just, just throw, just throwing two names out there. Yeah. Just, just you know, I know Chelsea. Obviously, I, I very much doubt it. I doubt Palace would necessarily sell Zaha for a lot of money um, to, to come and sit on the bench. And obviously, you've got the likes of Oxley Chamberlain who can play out wide, Lallana to a certain degree. But it, it just, it feels to me that if Liverpool are going to strengthen, it won't necessarily be a, a striker. They might strengthen the forward line. Yeah. You know, yeah. somebody who can play both sides and maybe even up front. Because I think. I think Klopp said it before as well. He he, he considers Salah a centre forward sometimes, and, and the way he plays, he he can do that sort of yeah. you know false nine. He's got that instinct, hasn't yeah. he? It, it, where to be when the ball's mm. breaking in the box. So many of his goals have come about just through that kind of sixth sixth sense 
that all great strikers have of just knowing of, of kind of anticip- it's anticipating isn't it where the ball might drop gambling yeah. and he's done that par excellence all season and that's why it's so important that he's able to take part tomorrow and ultimately the last last word on the Everton game not nothing really to do with the Everton game but you know a, a point for Liverpool okay results all of a sudden it becomes a good result because yeah. Chelsea get held 1-1 at home to West Ham I mean, again, a, a decent week gets even better for Liverpool. You don't want to say top four's done, but nine top points four, in five games now isn't it guarantees it. I think we we, exactly. we had Liverpool last night, so, yeah. which is, I mean, I mean, you could even say with this with the goal difference, eight points would be enough. Mm. Liverpool have got Bournemouth at home, they've got Stoke at home, they've got Brighton at home, West Brom away, West Brom away, and obviously Chelsea is is one of those as well. Uh, is the other game in that equation? Win win the home games another. Shouldn't shouldn't be a problem for them now. And but what one thing that's you know I can remember a number of seasons in the years gone by when we've had you know a cup final or something right at the end of it, and we've kind of gone through the motions in the last couple of league games. And even if obviously as we all hope there are going to be big matches for Liverpool late into April and and and, and well into May, I always kind of think forms one of these kind of things that you can't turn off and on like a tap. And I think it's it's. <laughs> You know, the, 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 the nature of the squad the nature of the way we play as well means that hopefully we can just keep, keep our foot on the pedal whilst obviously keeping an eye on the bigger picture and hopefully make sure that um, whatever happens in Europe the, you know, the Champions League spot for next season is secured and um, um, we finished the league season in the kind of the manner that the large majority of it has been conducted in which was winning and playing well and I think it's whatever happens in Europe I think it's important to kind of try and maintain that as much as we can so whatever happens in Europe what happens in Europe Ghosty? Um, put them on the spot why don't you? yeah well I think Liverpool are going to score um, I don't necessarily think they're going to win the game but I think I, I'm going to back Liverpool to go through um, it's just it's just going to be one of those another massive night isn't it um, a lot rests on Wijnaldum as we mentioned Um Stifling the likes of De Bruyne and Silva, um, Aguero as well. He, he normally fancies it against Liverpool, doesn't he? At the Etihad, at least. Yeah. No goals at Anfield. Mm. And he was back. Um, was it? Um, came off the, came off the bench. bench. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, let's let's talk about that game first before we talk about Liverpool's game. Let's, match, let's it's an unbelievable match out of absolutely nowhere. Mm. Is that a good or a bad result for Liverpool? Well, me and Ian Doyle were talking about it yesterday, and we couldn't quite no. like land on on a decision. You know, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? It's like. Does that make them more fired up? Does it kind of does the confidence ever away with two consecutive defeats after going you know however many games unbeaten? It's a, it's an awkward one to call really, um, and I, I'm not I'm not sure I, I know the answer to that one. What do you think, Dan? I mean, like, I think most Liverpoolians have been kind of tearing themselves apart, changing their mind almost every five minutes on it. I mean, I watched the game and I suppose going on my gut instinct during that first half when City were playing well and the goals were going in, even if you know they. I can never not take pleasure in Manchester United conceding a goal, <laughs> particularly the second one. I did kind of feel that was you know, Gundogan swivel and yeah. sharp, kind of thinking that that was pretty tasty, wasn't it? And there was a part, kind of slight part of the fear factor that I found rising in my stomach. And second half, when all of a sudden United blitzed, and you know, and, and this is you're talking to, to someone here that generally every time United Manchester United score a goal, it often kind of feels physically painful to me. <laughs> It didn't, and I was kind of eyes are on stalks, looking at it, going, "Wow, how can City fall apart so quickly and from such a you know, such a high of the first half to such a low of the second? So, even if I think we've all gone back and forth over this over the last forty-eight hours or so, I think ultimately the fact that they have 
conceded six goals to their two biggest rivals in, in two matches. Also as well, the cycle, they know they're going to be champions. They've had a wonderful, fantastic season that any football lover cannot appreciate on some level. But what they had the opportunity to do on Saturday was an absolute once-in-a-lifetime thing. And for anyone that knows anything about the dynamic of the Manchester clubs and how they have suffered under United's jackboot for decades and decades and decades, the, 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 the fact that they have now missed out on seizing the title against them, certainly amongst the fan base, will, will eat away at them. And it has to eat away at the players a little bit. I mean, like Gorsi said then, though, it has to have affected their confidence. There's no, there's no question about that. But um, I, I, you, know, you have to think that Guardiola will be saying to them, listen, you've had this amazing season, but it is in real danger of ending on a sour note now, and it's up to you. Can you perform the miracle of miracles? And I think that's the one magnet now that we've all got on the back of our, our minds. Virtually any other team in Europe or the world, you'd kind of think, yeah, we'll be all right here. But the way City have played, the players they've got... It's not beyond the realms of possibility. However, I'm saying Liverpool qualify, but it won't. But 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 we'll all suffer a bit. Well, I don't think I don't think Liverpool have got it in them to change their game plan on a one-off game. They need to carry on and play like yeah. like Klopp sends them out to do every game. Go on the front foot, try and get a goal. Because um, I think if Liverpool do get the goal, you know, as good as City are, they're not going to score five, are they? <laughs> are we? And I mean, this is journalists, supporters, neutrals, whoever. It's too much stock placed on external factors like the, the Man City versus Manchester United game because that's not changing Jurgen Klopp's preparations. He's not now going to try and second guess how they will react to this. He's going to go out and he's going to go. He's obviously doing all training the night before the game. They'll uh, they'll train again tomorrow morning at Anfield or uh, at Melwood and then head over to Manchester. A, a day does that have any effect on the players? Does that have any effect on Jurgen Klopp or? Is it just part of a media narrative, if you will? I don't think it has any effect on the Liverpool players, mm. but I think what happened the weekend definitely has an effect on the Manchester City mm. players. And so, you know, our players are playing their players, so 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 it, it it will have an effect in the overall bigger picture. But I think I think you're right in terms of Liverpool's preparation, Liverpool's mentality, Liverpool's game plan, the you know everything about how they will put everything in place ahead of this kind of huge match. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it, it changes anything apart from just reasserts again the fact that fantastic though they are, they are not infallible. Mm. They can concede goals if you get them. And I, I, I think James, our, our wonderful Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce, who is actually away right now, I think he, tweet, he tweeted in the aftermath of the game something like, "City's first half showed underline why Klopp was so adamant after the first leg to say the tie isn't over, but what happened in the they're shoddy defending in the second half." Underlined why Liverpool must go to the Etihad on Tuesday night and be positive, and I think that's the bottom line. If, if you know, it's a bit of a cliche in football where managers go about we're not worried about the opposition. I mean, you know, you've got to bear the opposition in mind. But Jurgen Klopp's whole kind of his, the whole way he goes about his business is, is fundamentally based on what Liverpool can do to the opposition and why, when, and, and it does feel like you you, you talked about this. This match being season-defining, I mean, you could argue it's epo- it's era-defining mm. because if it's unthinkable though it is, if it is all awry tomorrow, you kind of think psychologically, how would you come back from that? Obviously, if as it, if as it goes the other way, we hope it does Liverpool in the semi-finals, then it is real tangible progress. To and whatever happens in the last four, should Liverpool get there? They will have knocked out the English champions to be, and one of the best teams in Europe. Sending, you know, as you do WhatsApps about the game between friends, and uh, somebody came up with a shout in terms of 
if Liverpool were to throw this away, and let, it's not about throwing it away, you know, Manchester City could rest this from, from yeah, Liverpool's grasp. Definitely. It isn't about bottling or anything. You know, Manchester City could turn up and, and win five 0 six 0 with an unbelievable display. Of course, Liverpool will still get a lot of uh, brick brats for for that if that was to happen. But does that sort of, you know, Liverpool have been how many finals now and lost how many semi finals and lost. Yeah. Certainly, in the, they, in the modern era, they feel after the, after the highs of, of Istanbul and even Cardiff in, in two thousand six. I feel like personally, I remember writing this in in twenty sixteen after you know Man City beat Liverpool on penalties. That you know they felt mortal again. You know it, it, that that you know stuff that doesn't normally happen to a, to a club like Liverpool has started happening to them. They start losing finals. They start throwing away leads. They start. You know, you talk about era defining, and if, if Liverpool were to somehow not go through in this tie, does this sort of knock them back and, and almost, you know, the sky feels like the limits at the moment. And Liverpool were to win this, then then they are at the upper echelon of European football once again. If they lose, are they in danger of becoming almost, and they shouldn't be because they've had a really good season, but are they almost getting into Arsenal territory of, you know. Nelson Muntz in the Simpsons style, ha ha, look at <laughs> Liverpool again. It's happened again, Sevilla, yeah. you know, in the Cup, in the Europa League, in the Champions League, all those sorts of games where it's happened, they lose lose games now, this is what Liverpool do, just like Arsenal. possibly, yeah. I think if you look at it, you know, Liverpool qualify tomorrow, and then it's uh, Liverpool back in the big time, you know, first time in the, the top four of the Champions League since uh, 2008. Yeah. Um, Liverpool are, are basically establishing themselves as, as, a, as a powerhouse once again, and you know a, a serious club. Um, long term, the, the future is bright with Jurgen Klopp and the young squad that he's building. I think if they don't go through tomorrow, it's just kind of like it's like two steps back, isn't it? And as you say, it takes you back to that severe defeat in, uh, in Basel. It's like where where did you go from here? And even to when they got beat by Aston Villa in the, in the semi final mm-hmm. of the FA Cup, it's like that was such a a presentable opportunity to get it, get into a final, and then you take it from there. And Liverpool, are, you know, historically great in finals. So I, I can kind of see, see what you're getting at, but I do think, as as Dan says, actually, it's a great little line. You know, era defining um, qualification, and when, once you get into the, the, the last four, it's like one of the games is at Anfield. Why can't they go and get into the final? Liverpool get Bayern Munich or even Real Madrid, Barcelona, first leg at Anfield again. Not who's, one who's of them to say, fancy players. Who's to say they can get a 2-0 and not a 2-0 yeah. victory and, and then it's 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 up battle of wills again, you know. It's uh it's exciting. The big thing for Liverpool though, I think, is Mohamed Salah and his fitness. As of now, Klopp sounds I think he sounds quite confident. I think he's calling Man City's bluff. I, I don't think he'd say yeah he's one hundred percent fit because why would he? What's the point? Yeah. yeah he's gotta be we'll find out it's an open training. It's it's open to not the public, yeah. but you know, it'll be it'll be there for all to see if Mohamed Salah goes out there and how he's looking. It's gonna be a big story later on. Um is his inclusion the absolute does does that turn a knife from either a win a victory to a defeat or does it even turn it from a comfortable night into a very nervous one. It will it, give Manchester City something to think about. It's like they can pour forward and say to the three goals that they need, the minimum three goals. And if Salah's on the pitch, it's like, well, we, we can't do it too much up too early because one ball over the top, he's away. You know how deadly he is in front of goal. He only needs a little bit of space. And that one goal completely changes for City, doesn't it? They do got to find another two from somewhere. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's probably a little bit too simplistic to say that, that you know, Salah's playing is a difference, but... 
um, as much as it possibly can be. Yeah, I, I do agree. It was remarkable. I mean, people talking about this game. I think it, it's already had an effect, an effect on the tie because if you think back to Anfield last mm. week, Solanke, you know, we talked about Solanke before. <laughs> there were options there. So there were times where he, he took the wrong option or he didn't make the right run. You're thinking if, if Mohamed Salah still on that pitch, Liverpool could have won that four five nil. You know, it, and, and that's not. Really I thought Solanke did really well when he came on. I think it was probably one of a really mature twenty minutes from a very young player. Mm. But you know, if, if Mohamed Salah is on that pitch for ninety minutes, then who, well, who knows? Who knows? The tie could yeah. could tie could actually be dead. Well, it was the, it was the chance he got, wasn't he? And he, and he actually did quite well, Solanke. Where he kind of won it, I think, from Otamendi, and, it, and he nodded it down and put in a good cross to, to Mane, and he got the that's shot right, off. Yeah. But if Salah's got that under control, he, he might, you know, shift it and, and find the space and take it past it as market, and, and then it, you know, it's one on isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The, the the thing I go, I mean, let's have it, let's have it right. You know, Liverpool are capable of losing this tie with Salah in the team. You know, he he, he was he was in the eleven that, that well the eleven that became a ten that that lost that they had that they had in September. Only for forty five minutes though. Did he go? Did he, he, he went get... off at half time. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't he think went off at half time for Oxley Chamberlain's debut. What I keep coming back to is this, and you know, and obviously I kind of preface this by saying that I wouldn't want him to be rushed back, and you know, too soon, and he, and his his groin pings, and he's out for the season. But even if he's if he's in any way capable of taking that that field, I just kind of think, what would that Manchester City dressing room be like when the team sheet comes through at half past six, quarter to seven tomorrow night, and his name's not on it? It will give them an enormous lift. As it did on the, on the night slash. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's almost for the, you know, we, all, we as you know, the, the players, the fact, you know, all the supporters in the ground, everyone watching at home will obviously get a huge injection of, injection of confidence and belief if they do see him in the team. But it's almost as much as what it does to them. Like, like Gorsty says, they obviously know they've got to massively chase the game and they know they're going to have to do that as kind of responsibly and carefully as they can over the course of it. But the nagging doubt in the back of their mind about our ability to hurt them on the break will be magnified tenfold if Salah... If, yeah, obviously, we've got Mane and Firmino and other options as well, but he does seem to have this kind of psychological impact, not just on us, but on the opponents as well. Liverpool are one of the best uh, counter-attacking teams in Europe as well, don't forget. So, mm. you know, inviting, inviting the pressure on it probably plays into their hands. Situation like, suits us, doesn't it, in many ways, yeah. Interesting you say that they've got a lot of options. Well, they said that there's other options, sorry. They said there's a lot of options. Jürgen Klopp is somebody who always and he's always said this to the press he's always said it in you know press conferences in private breakouts and all if a player's not 100% he won't play mm-hmm. you know and you don't, he always says you don't know what data we've got you don't know what, what things we extract what, what information we extract but if he's going to risk a player it, it feels like it has to be Salah against Manchester City and it's not only because of what Salah can do it's because of what else is available because it, let's let's say Salah's out of the team, Oxley Chamberlain comes in to to a wide position. Now he, I think he's been better, you know, central yeah, himself, definitely. and you know I think what what does he do with midfield? Well, because because there's only three midfielders. I don't think he can change midfield at all, can he? He's only got three. So what does he do with so Salah? Does doesn't make it. What, what, so Salah like rings then? Presumably. Rings for the for the pace maybe. I mean, you know, it's it's a big ask of either of them. Huge ask. Because then, of course, you're, you're moving Roberto Firmino out wide, and yeah. I thought when he came on against Everton, he was really lethargic. He yeah. just didn't. His head was yeah. already at the Etihad, which is understandable. Um, so, is it one of those where you know Jurgen Klopp and no reason to not believe him? We've seen it from team selections before. You know, if a, if a player is not 100, percent he doesn't get a game. 
I think if Mohamed Salah 75-80% here he plays doesn't he I think because of like you said because of the player involved and the nature of this tie this isn't just any old game this isn't just a league game or any old cup game like we've said this, this, this is a match that in many ways could really kind of put the foundations down for the next couple of years for Liverpool and getting through it you know psychologically is could have untold positive benefits for the club so I, I think they will give they will give Salah every every opportunity throw, to take the field throw a crazy one out there if Salah doesn't make it could you see Liverpool going three at the back well with a two man midfield so you've got Clavan, Van Dijk Lovren Clavan's now had his game and I wonder if that was part of the reason. Clavan, Van Dijk, Lovren. Yeah. You've got your two full-backs. We'll sort of, you know, talk in a minute about Robertson, Moreno. But if one of those are fifth, which, again, it looks like they'll be OK, Trent Alexander-Arnold or Klein. And then you can afford to have a Wijnaldum, Milner, middle Same. two. And then you can have Firmino, Mane, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Mm. You could have you know, Mane one side, Oxlade-Chamberlain the other, and, and Firmino through the that middle. That, to me, is a better option than putting yeah. Ings or Salah. Yeah, I agree, yeah. And, and I think as well, like the, that three at the back can easily become five, can't it, if it needs to be. Um, the, so, posh, yeah. Yeah. the only issue is, does that then sort of... Even though, obviously, we've just been through the reasons why, if Manchester City get that team sheet and go, Liverpool are playing five at the back... Is that a case of the season uh, what is it? To them. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Jurgen Klopp. I, I think that was a big mistake that uh, Pep Guardiola made at the end of the day. Pep, you, the Premier League leaders by twenty odd points or, or whatever it was at the time. Twenty two, I think. It was twenty two. You're the Premier League leaders. You, you're absolutely flying. You've been the best team that the country's seen in, in, in maybe a decade. Um, you're certainly on course to be the most dominant English champions of, of the Premier League, and most certainly. Um, and then you take out Raheem Sterling, which you sort of understand, but you bring in Kevin, uh, not Kevin De Bruyne, but you move Kevin De Bruyne back into a deeper role, you bring Ilkay Gundogan in, instead of maybe a Bernardo Silva or a player like that. You know, it, it's, I felt like that really sort of showed that, showed too much respect to Liverpool in a way, because Man City were more than capable of, of, of hurting Liverpool. Is that the risk if they go three at the back or five at the back or whatever? That, that automatically, Pep Guardiola goes, these are worried, they'll It's the 3 0 up. And they're still they're still frightened. Yeah, maybe. Um, I think sometimes, uh, as you say, like that particular change, still for for, for Gundogan, it's it's not exactly like for like, and that completely changes your system, doesn't it? Uh, and that that's the worry that Liverpool might have uh, with this this game, because I think um, Liverpool's front line obviously they've got a very specific way of going about it, and not only does the quality drop off when it's changed, the actual mechanics of how it works changes because. Ings isn't similar to Mane and Solanke's not similar to, to Firmino so I think they're very different types of players Liverpool haven't really got a like for like for, for what, what they've got up front um, so that, I think that, that is, a, is, a, is a good point that you raise um, but I'd, I'd fancy the three at the back over having someone like Danny Ings wide right for, for the game of, of such importance I see where you're coming from Christian and, and, I, and I think you're right I think you know if that was to happen, I think Guardiola would seize upon that because they obviously put the position there and they will cling on to any kind of crumb of comfort and anything they can use to kind of lift their lift their spirits. But I do think you know, the, the the bottom line why something like that, like that would ha- would happen would be purely because of the personnel Klopp has available to him. I think it would kind of go against the grain with him to have to do that. But at the same time, I think it's it's very much a case of horses for courses. This is the situation that we are that we're in in the here and now. And in terms of my options, this is my this is this is the optimal solution as far as I as in terms of getting a suit to the next round. How Man City perceive it to be, I think ultimately he would have to say, well, that, that's that's up to them. If 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 this setup works right, 
then let City think what they like. The lads will get the job done and we'll be in the semis. The only other concern then is, is it left back? Um, I, I'll happily donate my legs to Andy Robertson um, <laughs> or Alberto Moreno just to, just to show Ragnar Klavan I mean, doesn't play. Moreno had got a, a believe got a knock in the build in the yeah. the, yeah, the warm up on Saturday. He wasn't on the bench. Robertson was just rested, or was it? Was, is the, was <sighs> no, the Robertson was injured. Yeah, there was really? a of a knock. Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and, and so the reason Moreno was initially on the bench, I feel, is because he couldn't have risked the Moreno yeah, getting injured there, yeah. in case. Yeah. You know, I think I think that was the idea, and then he goes and gets injured in the warm up as well. Um, yeah, that's so. That's that's unless again, you, you know, we we know Klopp. We saw the Wan Aldum. We saw him, uh, you know, try that out. Was Ragnar Klavan's left back with a way of getting a bit of match fitness ahead of a potential three at the back? You know, you you don't know. Do you just as as a contingency plan to yeah. to Salabi and out? He he works in in what seems mysterious, but usually it's a very well planned, meticulous way. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing about Clavin though. He got forward, didn't he? he, he yeah, didn't just, second half. Like. He, he was getting around the back post a few times, mm-hmm. and he nearly popped up. Um, Giddy from his Burnley goal, Burnley yeah. side last minute. But, last minute winner. I mean, it's not something I'd like to see again, but uh, <laughs> be fair to him, he give it a go, didn't he? That's what he is. He's a, he, that's Clavin. He, he, yeah. you know, he's he's. I think he's underrated to be fair, but I, I, I still wouldn't fancy him as a left back no. against Man City. Well, against you know, the the kind of quality that they can they they can got they've got on the right hand side that can you know players with pace and skill and trickery that can take him on on the outside. But by the same token, and we've all been blown away by Andy Robertson this season, and and. You know the the progression that he's shown, and I think everyone, you know, it's probably it's not not too far behind Salah in the praying states, really. That um, the, the positive health vibes going towards going towards Robertson as it would be for, for Salah. I think very important for for both teams that they do take the pitch. But if it was to be Clavan, he's an experienced international player, and certainly the occasion and everything won't phase him. And and from what I can remember, you know, it hasn't been too much this season, but last season he played quite a lot of the big games away from home, and by and large did pretty well. I think Southampton away in the League Cup, he made a mistake, but playing that centre back though, wasn't he? That that's the big issue. Well, yeah, well, especially with City probably have Sterling starting as well. You'd, you'd fancy. Um, yeah. There we go. I think if, I think I think I think like Christian said, I think if we do have to play him, I think he would probably go through at the back yeah, because you wouldn't, yeah, you couldn't have him as a conventional. Left back. You can't even bring Milner in at left back because there's no midfielders. It's just no. it, as I said, been brilliant in midfield. I've said I've said I've said on the podcast podcast a couple of times now Liverpool are in the midst of an absolutely ridiculous injury crisis here and it feels like it's been played down by a lot of people but mm. they really are down to the bare bones with that in mind I don't think it's we usually go through a team here but I think we know what if everybody's fit we all know the team that Liverpool will play yeah. we all know what we will go for what I will say then um, two, two final things number one if it goes to 2-0 what do Liverpool do to a city if it goes to 2-0 you, you get, you're getting the next round in yeah. If it goes soon to City, what what do you do as a as a, as a player? I mean, does does Jurgen Klopp go for that killer killer off with that goal, or does it, he it, sit back? It depends how quickly that happens. Um, Twenty minutes. Oh, uh, that's a tough one, isn't it? As as I mentioned, just thinking about it. Yeah, I don't think don't think Liverpool have got, have got it in them to, to completely alter their game plan. Mm. And they're not like a Jose Mourinho side who can who can dig in and and kind of. Spend all week on the, the specifics of uh, your man marking job and, and everyone behind the ball. Klopp just, just doesn't play that that way. So I think if Liverpool go 2 0 down that, that early, I think they're just going to play the game as normal and, and carry on um, and try and get the, the all important goal. So I, I, I think that's what they have to do. I, mean, I think, I think you know, not, not just this season, but generally since Klopp's been here for what, you know, we're getting on for two and a half years now. 
he's had a very clear idea about the principles, the values that he wants from his football team, from the club, from the supporters, from everybody involved. And even though you know this is absolutely by a mile you know, the highest stakes occasion that he's been involved in so far, I I don't think he's just you know from everything we've seen, read and heard about him in in, in that time, I just don't think he's the kind of man to betray his principles at the real kind of crux, crucial mm. moment. So yeah, I, I mean, obviously we'll all be sweating if it, if it does go to two 0 but. It, you know, I think it's got a game, another game that's got goals written all over it. And you know, we were asked for predictions last week, weren't we? Mm-hmm. I went for three well, one City. I was able to go for that. I've, yeah, well, sorry, beat you to the punch, Chris. I've, well, I've upgraded mine partly due to the fact that the the way both, well, partly due to the fact of City's defending and our injuries. I'm going for four two City. Four two City. Which is I don't I don't I, I mean me and you me and you me and you struggling follically as it is. I'm not left. I'll tell you what. I've just seen a few flakes drop off Gorsty. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm turning grey now. Go on, Gorsty. Uh, well, yeah, I, I said three one earlier today actually, but I don't think it's going to be a three one where City going to pull it back to three nil and everyone's going to be panicking. I think uh, Liverpool will, will get a goal. Uh, I think they might even score first actually, um, and I, I fully expect to see Liverpool in the last four. People will obviously you, you you will you will attest to this. My confidence in Liverpool has <laughs> ebbed away hour by hour towards kick off. Um, so much so, I'm now absolutely convinced that Manchester City go through. No, I'm not say that, man. <laughs> but I can't it's say it. This is, well. it's, it's it's the spirit of Ian Doyle. The spirit of Ian Doyle has has, has taken Even me over. Even in his absence, he's infected. Yeah, I know. It's like the Exorcist, isn't it? I need, I need the priest and and, uh, and some holy water. Um, <laughs> Four one city. Well, which would be it right. should be, well, be enough no for Liverpool, wouldn't no it? Hair left, it'd, be, it'd be enough. It'd be enough for Liverpool. When have Liverpool I, ever done it the easy way? I, yeah, I, wouldn't it be nice though? I, not from a professional point of view, wouldn't it be absolutely lovely if the tie was done on on seventy minutes? All the analysis over, all the ratings, <laughs> all the quotes. Well, let's go on. And maybe you know to give us a bit of hope. The last time we had one of these high stakes European occasions down the East Lanks in the, the Europa League at Old Trafford a couple of years ago. Liverpool had a 2 0 lead that time rather than a three goal lead, and then and United scored first. And I remember telling you, mate, five and four last time, go, we really need to get in here. And then Coutinho scored that wonderful chip, and it was just basically a glorious celebration for yeah. the next hour, hour and a bit until we got out the ground. So it would be lovely if we could sit back and luxuriate in a, a nice leisurely progression to the semi finals, but I'll take it however it comes, to be honest. <laughs> it, 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 it tells you a lot, doesn't it, about I think both Manchester City and. and to a certain degree, Liverpool unfairly so because I think they've been a lot, a lot, a lot better defensively um, and in terms of game management. But I think it tells you a lot that somehow Liverpool are three 0 up and we're all flapping. absolutely flapping <laughs> the, the concept. But yeah, as you say, uh, Old Trafford was a nice of celebration, hour long celebration. It'll be a free. That's St. Patrick's Day. Some people have ever had. Oh Well, it was Cheltenham that day as well. Um, was, I was, yeah. I was, I was in Woody's when uh, Fistle Crack uh, jumped the last in the stairs hurdle, <laughs> uh, and I think the whole of Woody's was on it. Uh, and then it was for for some people straight onto a straight onto a coach to Old Trafford. So yeah, I think that will do us. Um, you know, you say that was an hour-long celebration. I think it'll be a three-day celebration um, up until the draw, at least, and then it'll be down to the business end. But let's hope, uh, let's let's hope Liverpool can get there as as calmly and as quietly and as and as early before the deadline as possible. That would, uh, from a professional point of view, just get the job done, Liverpool, so we can uh, so we can start planning towards a nice semi-final. Uh, so thanks very much for joining us today. Um, Ian Doyle, hopefully, we'll be back at some point. Later in the week, where he'll tell you that he told you Manchester City will win 6 0. <laughs> uh, let's hope he's wrong, guy. Take care, enjoy the SCRs, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye now.
The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.